Hello everyone, welcome to What Really Works, a mental health podcast for young adults and youth. In these podcasts, you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in. What Really Works is brought to you by Discovery College, an initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello, What Really Works listeners. Good morning, everybody. It is... Well, it's Monday morning for us. How are you feeling, Becky? Tired. <laughs> tired. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm feeling a little bit tired today, too. But we do have a wonderful podcast episode in store for you all today. But before we get into that, Becky and I, we, we want to share some share some thoughts and, and discuss um, some really important things with the What Really Works listeners before we get into it. A couple weekends ago, 215 children were discovered, buried at uh, Kamloops Residential School on Sequetmook territory. I mean, this is hard for us to even talk about. And we're two white women sellers. Indigenous issues continue to be pushed under the rug, right? Within Mm -hmm. government, within our lives, especially within Canada. Mm -hmm. And it can't, it can't be pushed anymore, right? And even even with this, even with 215 children being found, the government continues not to say anything about it, right? Religious institutions continue to not address what's happened, and reconciliation continues to be a word that is thrown around as if it's something that we're actively working towards right now, but it doesn't seem as though there's any like tangible things being done to actually contribute towards reconciliation. And the thing that really stands out for me is there are grandparents who found, who finally found their stolen children with this discovery, right? People who, who are alive today, people who, who were screaming from the top of their lungs that their children were taken from them and time after time after time were told, that it didn't happen or that it wasn't a big deal or just swept aside because they're indigenous because of who they are. And it's ridiculous and it needs, it needs to stop. And the genocide that happened, the genocide that indigenous people endured in Canada, in the United States, all over the world needs to be reconciled with in a tangible way. Mm -hmm. And the cultural genocide the identity genocide that continues in our current times needs to be addressed um, and needs to be addressed in more ways than moments of silence and talking about how atrocious it is. Everyone knows that it's an atrocious thing, right? Like we know it's, it's, it's horrific to see, but just talking about how horrific it is, is not going to do anything. Yeah. It, that's the same thing with, with everything that we talk about on this podcast, right? No, I, whether we're talking talking about racial violence, whether we're talking about cultural violence, no matter what topic it is that we're that we're discussing, just <laughs> just talking about how bad it is isn't going to fix anything, right? And I don't know the how you fix it. I don't know how you how you reconcile in ways beyond you know what's recommended of having those conversations of of opening up your minds and your hearts to more things of do, doing research, doing education, connect with the in- to con- connecting with the indigenous people around mm-hmm. your area. You know, those are all really, really great things to do. I mean, 
but we need a long-term solution and we need a long-term solution from political leaders yeah well and what's tricky is you know we have calls to action yeah the truth and reconciliation act has found the trc yeah truth and reconciliation commission yeah. commission that's it sorry there are the calls to action so like you say olivia talking about this only does so much i think everyone's aware now you know yeah. before talking was sadly about creating awareness even though everyone should have been aware mm-hmm. and now's the time to like get familiar with those calls to action from the truth and reconciliation commission and think about how those can be applied into our daily lives yeah beyond that too like i think that that's so important but also talk to people right like I think part of it as well is, and this is, again, like you say, the very similar in the sense of like when we were talking about Black Lives Matter and a big thing was don't rely on people of color to tell you exactly what to do or to tell you exactly what's going on. Like, And the same goes for everything that's going on for, well, everything that we hope to go on for reconciliation, right, is yes, if there are Indigenous people telling us, then we listen and we learn and we move forward with that, right? But also we have to understand the, I mean, can't even understand the trauma and what even just this discovery brings up for Indigenous people Mm. as individuals, as communities, so also that doesn't mean that now is the time to go saying to indigenous people hey what can i do because that's not always trauma informed Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like we need to also do some learning off our own back and action off our own back Uh, yeah and you know more than just trauma just the the impact on on our mentally healthy communities we can't have a mentally healthy community if we're not actively pursuing reconciliation and if we're not actively pursuing bettering ourselves and learning more and and understanding how to be more compassionate putting ourselves in other people's shoes as much as we can and striving towards a better more equitable more caring and compassionate and mentally well community we can't do that if we don't recognize what happened and what's still going on Mm -hmm. and You know, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is that I am not, I cannot be aware of the barriers that you face if I'm not aware that they even exist, right? If I can't recognize the privilege within myself and if I can't recognize the things that I have in my life that other people don't have in their lives, right? Or that might have been taken from them, then how am I going to reduce those barriers that those people face? So in addition to looking towards reconciliation, in addition to educating ourselves, we really, really, really need to take a look at, turn the mirror on ourselves too, and take a look at the privileges that we hold, take a look at the biases that we hold, take a look at where, at, at who we're surrounding ourselves with, right? Like, who are you, who are you speaking to? Who are you learning from? Like, just, yeah, just re- Reflect on your on your inner self so that you can be ma- more aware in the long term about the barriers that other people face um, and then make tangible actions towards eliminating those barriers. Yeah. I'd like to do a few moments of silence. <laughs> 
to recognize the Sequetmuk Nation, to recognize every indigenous person that every indigenous person, every indigenous person that has attended a residential school, every indigenous person that has been impacted by residential schools, every person that has been impacted by colonization and by genocide and cultural genocide. All right. Um, all right. So thanks, everyone. Thanks, What Really Works listeners, for taking a moment with us there. Um, you know, part of part of reconciliation and part of, re- I guess, reckoning with, with these ideas, with everything that colonization has created as a white person, is, is dealing with some sort of uh, shame and guilt, right? The accountability. That ac- and- yeah. Yeah. I know for me that when whenever I speak about colonization, whenever I'm, you know, in a, when something comes up or you know, just when it comes up, like there is a base level feeling uh, of guilt as, you know, I'm a white person. I am a colonizer on this on this land. And a lot of the times there there is more that I could be doing. Right. There's always so much more that all of us can be doing. And I think with that comes sometimes the feeling of, of guilt or shame. Mm-hmm. And we can feel that for many different reasons. But the important thing to remember is that like lying in that guilt and lying in that shame doesn't propel us forward, right? That keeps us stuck in the moment. And it's important to acknowledge it. It's important to acknowledge that you have those feelings, but it's even more so important to to move on. Yeah, because guilt and shame don't allow you to do anything about it. Yeah, and that's what actually what we're going to get into a little bit more today. I think it it can be helpful with with what we were just discussing and can apply in many ways, but there's many situations outside of reckoning with our colonial past where this can apply. Mm -hmm. So throughout this episode, let's think about guilt and let's think about shame and let's think about the different situations in which we might experience guilt or shame and how overall we can move past those feelings to begin to take more tangible steps well, and do better and do better towards yeah. it is towards what it is we might want to do yeah. better on yeah because i think what's tricky about guilt and shame is i think a lot of us think that if we're feeling guilt and feeling shame that will make us do better yeah but that's not necessarily the case so that's what we're going to talk about guilt yeah. and shame all right becky my definition queen. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, what is guilt? Okay. So, yeah. So guilt is a emotion. <laughs> mm, yes. The tell end. us more. <laughs> <laughs> An emotion that I think no one particularly likes feeling. And guilt is around having done something or thinking we've done something wrong or we've done something bad we've messed up in some shape or form and guilt is tends to want to maybe try and change or undo something whatever that action is so it's very based around like 
something that has happened, something very specific, an action that we've done where we've really just like messed up or maybe we've really upset someone, hurt someone, something like that. Man. (laughs) When I was younger and still to this day, guilt is one of the things that like I just can't deal with. As soon as I start to feel guilty, I was notorious for it as a kid. I would do I would do something like uh, specifically that's coming to my mind in uh, when I was in elementary school. Mm -hmm. I used to steal uh, these little like puffy foam things that you would use to make crafts. They were in shapes of like stars or hearts Mm -hmm. or whatever. I would steal them and hide them behind my bed. (laughs) And I would feel so incredibly guilty Mm -hmm. that like, you know, the classic of waking up three o'clock in the morning, kind of can't go to bed when you're six years old, walk into your parents' rooms like, mom, I did something bad. Man, I did that until like I was eight. Still to this day, if I do something, (laughs) I'm like, mom, I got to get it off my chest. I'm feeling guilty about something. And that's a really interesting thing about guilt. So with guilt, it doesn't have to be pointed out. We can be the only people who know mm-hmm. when it comes to guilt. Like you say, you're hiding the things behind your bed. <laughs> Nobody knows. But you're still feeling guilty because you know you've done an action that to you is wrong. So it goes against my personal values, kind of. Yeah, so that's also what is interesting about guilt is it is quite often very based around like what we have learned are like kind of the standards of life. Okay. Which is why some people might feel guilty about things and other people may not. Mm. Because it depends on what they've learned, what they've been taught, what they value, that kind of stuff. So that's kind of guilt. So I was going to, how does it relate to anxiety? Do you know? Because I've always thought that I felt more guilty mm-hmm. or maybe have more shame mm-hmm. because I have so many issues with anxiety. Well, so I. It links into another part about guilt and shame. Okay, we can come back to it. Which, I'm just so excited yeah. for you to teach me more about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll, I'll give the definition of shame. Okay. Because we do use the words interchangeably. But yes. Yeah, in a psychological sense of like understanding our thoughts and behaviors based on our emotions, that they are different. They're okay. two different things. So guilt is based around when we've done something wrong or think we've done something wrong. And it's that painful feeling we get of like, oh, shouldn't have done that. I really wish I could go back and change it. Coming from our learned social standards. Yeah. Shame is this really unpleasant feeling, emotion that we get from as being undesirable or just kind of lying, doing things wrong and not being honest about it. Um, And it's kind of the thing that's really tricky about shame is you know how guilt was kind of specific to like an event or a behavior. So you were feeling guilty specific to hiding the little foam things behind your bed, right? Mm -hmm. Shame is really tricky because it doesn't think about that specific event. It thinks about what's going on and then we put it on ourselves as a whole. Oh, so our whole personhood. It's like rather than saying I did this bad thing, it's I'm a bad person because I do these things. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of around that like it's focusing on ourselves as a whole, not the specific behavior. And the tricky thing with shame is it leads to how we view ourselves as a whole um shame also then involves that fear of being outed and people knowing that we're a bad person and then also things around about that also makes us feel really alone because we have these thoughts about ourselves and then we feel like other people don't know what's going on all this kind of stuff and 
a big thing to remember is with shame we tend to get stuck and it doesn't lead doesn't tend to lead to positive change no because we kind of just focus on ourselves and how we're feeling we're a bad person right so with shame Mm -hmm. we you described it in the sense of you know if we're being dishonest or whatever these these negative qualities that we might be exhibiting make us feel shameful about ourselves Mm -hmm. what about feeling shame because we're not living up to certain expectations does that come into shame too so for example I deal with a lot I have very high standards for myself. I'm uh, deal with perfectionism and all, all of that, uh, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So I feel shame when I'm not living up to these really, really high expectations that I've set for myself. Not necessarily because I've been doing negative things, but because I'm not doing as many positive things that I would like to do. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's what's so tricky about shame as well is it also brings in so many broad cultural and social factors mm. because like like you say our expectations our values our cultural values our social values depending on where you know what we value will then depend on how we self-assess ourselves okay based on that so like you say if we have these really high expectations um and we feel like we're not living up to them then yeah we can start to be like okay like i'm a bad person because i'm not meeting these social expectations which therefore makes me a bad person and that's and that links into what you were saying as well about how anxiety plays into it because shame and guilt and this is where it's also really tricky is their self-conscious emotions so what this means is they're basically self-assessed well yeah because if i'm feeling guilty or shameful mm-hmm. i'm not gonna run to you and say <laughs> hey uh i've been lying about this for the past six years and i feel very <laughs> shamed about it so yeah yeah <laughs> right so it's like a it's something we view for our own perspective it's like we're evaluating ourselves based on like these learned things that we have which is why they can sometimes become problematic for us in our lives because if we aren't being very honest with ourselves maybe not very honest that's the wrong word but maybe if we're not being very realistic Mm. then we can really perpetuate guilt in our lives we can really perpetuate feelings of shame in our lives which then can you can imagine how that then creates a cycle with anxiety right of like not wanting to feel that guilt or not wanting to feel that shame so we're going to try and push ourselves as hard as possible but then we still are being incredibly harsh on ourselves so we feel like we're not meeting these expectations and you can see how that can go around in a loop right and causes some pretty hard stuff well yeah and it it seems as though it would cause us to have a very problematic view of ourselves Mm -hmm. and when I say problematic I mean a very self-depreciating view of ourselves maybe we're not as empathetic or compassionate towards ourselves as we should be and when we're not that means like you said earlier we can get really stuck in in the moment we can get stuck in that place of of guilt and shame where we're not moving forward we're not taking an accurate estimation of ourselves and um for me I get so stuck in wanting to be perfect and feeling bad about not being perfect that I end up being like doing being way less than perfect and do, <laughs> doing nothing, which makes you just feel worse in the end, right? It's just a negative feedback loop, as we like to say. Well, and that so that's what's so interesting about shame, even more so, um, because you could have 
two people who have done the exact same thing. Yeah. And one person's, like you say, value could be around perfectionism Mm -hmm. and being the absolute best human that is even possible of making zero mistakes. And the other person might be just like, yeah, I'm just like going to get by however I can. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm chill. Like if I do something bad, then I've done something bad and I'll say, sorry, kind of thing. And if those two people do the same thing, the way they experience shame is going to be so different, right? The person who really values trying to be perfect and has these high expectations of being as perfect as possible, they're going to feel that emotion of shame a lot stronger, right? And probably for a lot longer. Um, and it'd be a lot more scarier to put themselves out there to try things, right? Versus the person who's like, well, if I get things wrong, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm a bad person. <laughs> They're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I feel a bit shameful because I've done something, but I'm okay with that kind of thing. I'm going to maybe move forward with this, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems as though both can be problematic. If you are trying to be perfect in every way and have like these super huge expectations for yourself and you're feeling shame around that not great Mm -hmm. but then at the same time if you are making quite a few mistakes and maybe you aren't following your values as much as you would like to but then you're less harsh on yourself and maybe you're not necessarily taking accountability for Mm -hmm. your actions right so there's somewhere in the middle where I think we all have to recognize that we are human Mm -hmm. that we do make mistakes that everyone's not perfect um you know sometimes as humans we do things that are little bad and maybe we shouldn't we we know that we're not supposed to but at the end of the day we we all kind of make those mistakes but at the same time taking accountability for actions that that we need to take accountability for yeah exactly and that's where we can have things like regret so regret allows us to be able to go like okay like I didn't like that the fact that I did that and I want to change that and Mm. I want to do better for that right that's what regret is Whereas like if we just focus on shame, I said before how shame doesn't necessarily bring about positive change because shame, we get so hyper focused on ourselves and the way that we view ourselves. We can start to like withdraw because we're just kind of embarrassed or just feel so awful about where we're at that it becomes impossible to think about, okay, where do I want to change what's going on? Yeah, I actually quite struggle with this. And one of the things that I've noticed about myself is that when I feel guilty or shameful, I tend to put the burden on other people and ask them to tell me that I'm like not a bad person, kind Mm -hmm. of. You know, I'm really struggling with someone. I've said it to you before when I'm venting about something, I'll be like, oh, I just don't know if I'm a good person. I feel like a bad person, blah, 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 blah. And looking for reassurance from other people or if I've been in a fight with someone and I've done something that I shouldn't have done going to that person and being like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I feel so guilty. I feel so bad. I shouldn't have done that. I'm such a bad person. Like blah, 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 going on and on and Mm -hmm. on and kind of putting that onus on them to help subside my guilt and help subside my shame. When in actuality, I'm just continuing to feed into that and not taking accountability for my actions because I'm not Doing that internally. You know, I'm not saying, I. yes, I regret that, but it's time to move forward. I'm trying to get other people to help me to not feel guilty. Yeah. Which, does that create po- any positive change? No, not at all. It's interesting, isn't it? It is super interesting. And that's something that I would like to tie back 
to what we were speaking about in the beginning of the episode when discussing like issues of reconciliation, right? When I do a lot of workshops around around um, like reconciliation and cultural awareness and cultural humility in the workplace um, alongside other folks, alongside indigenous folks and people of color and whoever it is that, that I'm working with. Um, and one of the things that we'll see a lot in healing circles or sharing circles, whatever workshop it is that we're doing is lots of white folk that are, that do feel guilty and do feel shame, but don't really know how, how to move past that. Right. And we'll often seek support from indigenous folks or for, from people of color with that guilt and shame, mm-hmm through sharing or through saying that they feel guilty or like trying to satiate that in some way in the, in the same way that I do that I was explaining earlier. Um, but really it's a, it's okay to feel those things, but what we want to do is acknowledge that and take accountability for that guilt and shame rather than putting it on other people and then be able to take positive action forward. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's what I was saying about regret as well. Like, we want to be able to move into regret of Mm -hmm. like, okay, like, I felt guilty about this. I feel shameful about this as myself as a whole. But I want to move into regret where I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I don't feel great, but I want to make change. So how do we move into regret? Um, By doing different, like, the different techniques to support ourselves with with that shame to overcome that shame more specifically than guilt um i mean guilt is definitely not a great feeling but with guilt there does tend to be that want to do something to at least mitigate what it is which isn't always the best thing as well because when we're just trying to mitigate the outcome of our of our actions that isn't always necessarily meaning for like the best thing that's fair because it's not long term it's more of in the immediate moment sometimes it's like oh i just want to reduce the fallout yeah Right, versus like, okay, I'm taking accountability for this, and ugh, it might oh, that might be a horrible fallout, but I'm then gonna do this from. Oh, that's absolutely so interesting to me because even if you are trying to move past that guilt and shame by taking accountability, are you really doing that because you are taking accountability, or because, like you said, you're trying to reduce the negative consequences that might result from your actions? Ooh, that's a real mind bender for me. (laughs) I'm like, hmm, uh, how many times have I done that? I don't know. Well, and it's so interesting because especially, you know, in a lot of like when you think of like Western society kind of, it's very individualized, right? We're all very hyper-focused on ourselves and that's how we're taught to be, right? We're taught to be like very individualistic, like, yeah, be nice to other people. That's great. (laughs) But like, you know. You want to focus on you, which then means things like guilt is like, oh, well, I want to, re- I want to reduce the things that I've done that are make, yeah, because it doesn't make me feel good. That are making me feel bad. Yeah. Rather than taking that community approach of I've done something wrong, so I need to do something to improve the community. Ooh, okay, I like that. I think mm-hmm. that's a a good way to to move past your guilt and shame, <clears throat> to accept it, to reconcile in a way that isn't selfish. Yeah, is really reckoning with yourself and asking I'm moving past this because I feel guilty and I don't want to feel that guilt anymore 
or am I taking accountability and moving past this because I know that in the long run it's going to be more supportive for myself but also be more supportive for my community and like my future interactions with Mm -hmm. people and how am I going to make that change too I think actually either writing down or specifically stating how I'm going to make that change moving forward is an act of accountability and and is an act that counteracts that shame and counteracts that guilt. If we follow through, right? That's another important part is following through with what we've set out for ourselves. Yeah. And what's really interesting about both of these as well, and Brene Brown talks so much about shame. So if you want to find out more about shame, like check out Brene Brown, but around how like shame is based in judgment. Oh yeah. As well, right? It's based in self-judgment around like what's a good person versus a bad person right but what we always have to remember Brene Brown talks about this and how when she realized this this was like a big awakening for her was we quite often think oh we don't necessarily judge other people right or we try not to judge other people I am so judgy right well that's people good. naturally are yeah but a lot of us don't have that awareness a lot of us don't want to think that we're judgmental but we have to self-reflect on like if I'm okay with judging myself with shame Mm -hmm. and what whether I'm a good person or a bad person I'm okay judging other people whether they're a good person or a bad person as well because you are taking your idea of what a good person a bad person is from what you've seen in society what you've seen in your friend groups what you've grown up to to know to be a good person through your parents through other people that you've like had sculpt your life essentially and the way that you come up with what is good and what is bad is by comparing. And what are you comparing? You're comparing yourself to other people. So naturally, you have to be judging others. You have to be comparing others to yourself to feel that shame or guilt around around believing that you are, in comparison, a bad person. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of that made sense, but it clicked for me. So I'm like, oh, uh, (laughs) yeah, you're right. It's like You have to. Yeah. And yeah, so that, for me, that was a really big thing was realizing that and I was like okay like I need to can't like I just need to be okay with myself with what like not telling myself if I'm a good or a bad person or I'm not worthy of x or I'm not worthy of y and instead I just need to be focusing on like okay like that behavior you did there that was like kind of sucky Becky like do better yeah and I'm like that has actually helped me translate that into viewing other people and being more compassionate towards other people and instead of viewing people's actions as that whole individual viewing that person's actions of like they did that one action like that doesn't necessarily make them a sucky person a more compassionate empathetic non-judgmental approach Mm -hmm. towards yourself instills a more compassionate non-judgmental approach towards others yeah I love that. That actually clicks with me so much and it makes me want to be kinder and more compassionate towards myself and less judgmental towards myself so that I know that I'm being less judgmental towards others and their actions as well. Seeing people as more rounded and, you know, multidimensional people. Yeah, multidimensional. Perfect. (laughs) That's the word I was looking for. I was going to say detailed. I was like, "Mm, not the right word. (laughs) um so there are a few other things I wanted to talk about when it comes to guilt and shame before getting into 
a few more of those kind of like what additional things can we do yeah and I just kind of want to acknowledge and this can actually help us thinking about what can we do yeah is around thinking about what could be amplifying our personal guilt and our personal shame so we talked about one of the things being high expectations. Mm-hmm. We yeah. also talked about one, the, another, another one of the things being just like who, who we're surrounding ourselves with, yeah. like those those values that might have been instilled on us through our through growing up or our friends or whoever it is. Yeah, which when you also link back to what I was saying about when people are viewing people as, you know, if you have friends and they see somebody in the street do something and they're like, oh, they're a terrible person for doing that then you those judgments and that those views of shame also come towards us because they're like i'm also surrounded by friends that have these views of like whether you're a good person whether you're a bad person whether you're worthy of love or not what are they going to think about me if they think this about that other person exactly for sure which help makes us judge ourselves more exactly and that can even just increase the levels of guilt that we feel because then like things that for us maybe might have felt like minor things that we're doing wrong suddenly feel like major things that we're going to do wrong because we're worried about what our friends are going to think that's an important one if you are around friends that are constantly judging other people or constantly judging themselves of course that's going to have an impact on how much you're judging others and you're judging yourself right I know that friends are some one of the things that's most important to me in addition to family and it's only natural that you want to maintain those friends as though you want to be desirable to those friends right you want to maintain those connections and that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself and a lot of guilt and shame to carry all the time if you are experiencing a friendship group that is like quite judgmental yeah yeah it has a lot of effect the other thing that immediately came to my mind is obviously like social media and technology right mm-hmm. constantly looking at other people's lives and saying oh they are so much more perfect than i am or like oh they're doing this they're doing that they're doing that i'm not doing any of this i'm not doing any of that exactly and you can see how guilt and shame played out when on social media specifically there's like kind of two different ways that come three different ways that come to my mind in technology and social media with guilt and shame so the first is exactly like you say we're just generally comparing ourselves to other people which has so many different impacts on our mental health we've spoken about before you know the impacts on like body image it has the impacts on the anxiety that it has but also impacts our guilt and shame um and we saw how guilt and shame played out in 2020 when there was a really big black lives matter movement on social media oh my gosh performativity is just guilt and shame isn't it yeah yeah like there were so many people of color and huge advocates for Black Lives Matter being like, you need to be doing more than posting a black square on your Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. But so many people were just doing that anyway because they felt the guilt of not doing it. Mm-hmm. They felt the sh- they felt the shame if they didn't do that. But and you don't want to feel those, so you just want to satiate it immediately instead of actually taking a hard look in the mirror. And focusing more on accountability and reconciliation versus focusing on getting rid of that immediate feeling that feels gross. Yeah. Again, that classic of does shame bring about that positive change? Does guilt bring about that long-term positive change? And with those questions, 
and reflecting on like the example of the black square and what a lot of people of color were saying to white people posting it is like was that creating that long-term change or not and it may have done very much with like the large numbers of people doing it but in our small social circles how much it changed yeah i mean even beyond that you know when you go to post something that has anything to do with taking accountability for the mass inequality that exists among different cultures and races and ethnicities within our modern world. Um, are you doing that because you are just trying to like, a lot of people will say, oh, I'm posting it because I'm trying to bring like more awareness, more awareness, more awareness. Mm -hmm. Well, what are you really bringing awareness to, right? Because yeah. if you're seeing that on your feed, guaranteed your small circles are seeing that on their feed as well, right? So you're not really bringing awareness to anything. You're more so bringing awareness or trying to bring other people's awareness to the fact that you're a good person to satiate that guilt and shame, right? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and then another third way that comes to my mind when talking about guilt and shame in technology and how technology can really amplify guilt and shame is the implications of social media and shame in the sense of you know our brains have I you know I always do the classic of like our brains have evolved to have these emotions for a reason right mm-hmm and, you know, if you're taking that real evolutionary psychological view on this, it's very much like guilt and shame have like evolved in us to mean that we work as kind of a, as a group, as a community in an evolutionary sense, right? They kind of exist to get us to do the, the good things. Um, but then what's really tricky with technology, especially, is classic brains not meant to deal with that many people being able to know this many things about us. So the level of guilt we can feel about doing something wrong can feel so terrifying now because of social media, because it can just be spread like wildfire. Yeah. Think about like cancel culture, like shaming and guilt can feel incredibly huge because of the fact that it can be amplified so much more and it can be terrifying yeah, to I then mean, do knowing, things wrong. I mean, even knowing that that large amount of people can are making assumptions about you is in itself a scary thing, let alone when it has to do with problematic behavior, right? I mean, what really work listeners, I don't know if any of y'all follow me on Instagram, but if you do, you'll see that my page has like six posts on it. And it's because I'm terrified of other people judging me without getting to know me, even if they're judging me in a way that is so surface level, right? Even if it's just based on like a picture. I just, I just can't, you know, I go to post something on Instagram and even just like the fact that some people might look at some simple photo and think any sort of negative thing about me really tears me up, mm -hmm. right? Re I just can't deal with it. So I can understand how folks that might feel unsure about talking about really important things that we need to have conversations about in our current society can feel really hesitant to, right? Because then you're talking about your values. Then you're talking about who you are as a person and what you believe and like what you've been through in your background in a very public way that can have repercussions that are in this modern age, extremely scary and 
not even repercussions, but just having that amount of people judge you is very scary. Yeah, and even when you think about that people judging you and bring about shame, even just thinking about likes on a picture on on Instagram can bring about feelings of shame because say we post a photo of ourselves where we were actually feeling really great about ourselves and for some reason or another, it doesn't get many likes. Depending on how we view that, that can bring on those feelings of shame, that feeling of like, oh, I'm not worthy, or I am a bad person, and that's why people aren't liking it, right? There's so many things about, like, social media specifically that just, like, amplify the emotions or, like, almost, like, bring about more possibilities of feeling guilt and shame. Yeah. Tricky. I find I also feel guilt and shame more when I'm not satisfied with the way that my life is going. Mm. So if I feel as though... If I don't feel satisfied at work, if I don't feel satisfied within my friendship groups, if I feel as though, you know, um, I haven't been exercising as much or I haven't been like eating as healthy. The first thing that I feel is, is guilt and shame, right? Around, okay, I need to be doing better. I could be doing better. I need to turn my life around and be like this well-rounded person, right? And It just seems as though guilt and shame is woven into every aspect of our being. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Especially, especially when our internal values, you know, our really strong core values are like about being the absolute best human (laughs) that we can be. Because it then means that so many things feel important for us and when we're not doing things perfectly it means so much more yeah I'm glad that you mentioned those internal values because definitely depending on what those internal values impacts the level of guilt that we feel or Mm -hmm. like the level of guilt that we have so if one of my values is you know unfortunately one of my values that I just can't seem to get rid of is this like perfectionism or like well-roundedness right and like you say that makes it even more likely that I'll feel guilt and shame, right? Because it's this really high expectation for myself. Whereas if I had like more realistic values and I valued taking care of myself or like valuing my mental health or valuing, uh, I don't know, give me one, give me some good values. Just doing the best that you yeah, can. Yeah, if I valued doing the best that I could rather than being perfect, being perfect then the level of guilt and shame that I would feel would be substantially less if I know that, okay, one of my values is just doing the best that I can. Am I doing the best that I can right now? Yeah, probably. So, well, and, and that's what is so hard and, you know, is very relatable from what you're saying about like, you know, really valuing that perfectionism and then feeling guilt and shame a lot because of it is when we set such high expectations for ourselves that they're so high they're not attainable then we will always feel guilt and shame yeah I mean as humans we will feel guilt and shame from time to time anyway because like we can't avoid those emotions yeah exactly we're always gonna mess something up at some point Mm -hmm. but if our expectations of ourselves are so so just high that it's just impossible to reach that at all times then we are gonna end up with those consistent emotions 
of like kind of guilt and shame and can kind of then get stuck in it and create that vicious cycle right which is really hard because I think all of us the majority of us want to be the absolute best that we can be but it's about taking that compassionate view and instead of saying being the absolute best that I can be is being perfect it's about saying being the absolute best I can be is using what I know right now to try and do the best right now it's also very black and white thinking yeah right because if my solution to not feeling guilt or shame is to be perfect is to be a great person be the best person never make any mistakes then I'm not actually really holding myself accountable to anything right because the reason uh, I don't know how to talk through this okay so this just came to my head. So if I am seeking this perfection, perfectionism all the time, right? Or no, okay. So if I do something bad, I do something that I feel guilty about, my next immediate conclusion is, okay, I have to mitigate this in some way. I have to take care of this. I have to be a better person. I'm a bad person, so I need to do something to make myself a better person or I just need to commit myself to being a good person, right? And then it feels as though that's over. It feels as though that accountability is done because I've said, okay, I've done something that I'm feeling guilty guilty about or I'm feeling shame about who I am as a person. So what do I do to change that? Well, I guess I just have to be a better person, right? I need to do all of these things perfect to make myself a better person, which immediately kind of gets rid of that guilt or shame because you're like, I'm going to start over. I'm going to be a great person, like blah, 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 blah. But in actuality, you're just temporarily getting rid of that guilt and shame by saying you'll be a really good person and never make any mistakes, which is even less accountability than if from the very start you would say, my goal is to make mistakes and take accountability for those mistakes not to make no mistakes and be perfect right yeah. because then I'm never taking accountability for any of the things that I've done yeah and also I don't know if that made sense no that does <laughs> make sense and also you know doing that also means that you can never kind of like reflect on it exactly you can never go hey look that was a big old mess that I made but this is how I've learned and grown from this. And I've learned that I'm going to try and never do that again because that was a stupid thing to <laughs> do, right? But let like you say if you're just like, I just need to be the best person that I can be, then you're not even going to be willing to acknowledge, okay, yeah, I did, I did that thing that was really sucky. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to know the steps that you need to take to begin to actually take full accountability yeah. for that, right? You're not really doing deep thinking about what it is that you might need to to change mm-hmm. or to do better next time. Yeah. So. So basically, Olivia is extremely problematic. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. And so this is the thing with guilt and shame as well. You I see do. how I was uh, feeling guilty and shameful there. I'm trying well, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is what I'm <laughs> going to say as well. If you're listening to this episode and you're like, oh, like a lot of this is really resonating with me and I'm feeling really shameful because of this, that's okay. If you're feeling like we're not here to be sitting here and judging and going, you know, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Like, no. We're going to talk after this ad break around like some of the things that we can do to support ourselves in guilt and shame. All that we're saying is kind of listen to what we're saying and see what resonates with you and what step you can take to support ourselves with guilt and shame if we're feeling that it's problematic for us. 
if we're feeling that it's getting in the way of us being able to learn and grow and take accountability for ourselves, if we feel that it's getting in the way of us just kind of feeling good about ourselves, then we want to be taking some steps. All right, so we'll do a quick ad break and then we will cover some extra support. We are currently recording in the podcast booth inside Staples Studio located in Kelowna. Staples Studio is a co-working space for those looking for a safe alternative to working from home. I know I feel so stuck at home these days and going to Staples makes me feel like I actually have a change of pace. They offer not only a safe space to work with desks, offices, private phone booths, and meeting rooms, they are connected to the Staples store where they have everything you need under one roof. Studio is more than just a co-working space. Studio is a community to help you work, learn, and grow. Follow them on Instagram at Staples Studio Canada for more information on locations, pricing, and amenities. Please visit studio.staples.ca and book a virtual tour. All right, so, guilt and shame. (laughs) And how do we support ourselves with it? (laughs) So, I mean, we have mentioned a couple of ways to maybe start thinking about it. That self-compassionate view. Mm -hmm. Classic. We love self-compassion and compassion. One of the things that helps me a lot is giving myself reminders. So, I will challenge my thoughts through reminders to myself and to through positive reminders I'll say write something you know like you are in my journal be like you're not a bad person you are just a human like it is okay that you make mistakes um is it really rational that I am judging myself so much on this like if worse comes to worse out of this thing that I did like how bad is it actually right like let's say that I spoke not very nicely to a stranger and I'm judging myself really harshly for that and feeling guilt and feeling shame okay so how bad is it actually like yes I I, maybe I made someone feel a little bit worse about themselves or maybe I like contributed to someone having a negative day or maybe I frustrated someone with the way that I spoke to them but at the end of the day like I know that that was wrong I know how to move forward from it Maybe I'm going to go and apologize to that person, right? So is it rational to be so wrapped up in this guilt and shame if I know how I'm going to move forward from it and I also know that, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that self-compassionate thought is like, part of self-compassion is that accountability. So still being like, hey, I've done this. But it's that everyone makes mistakes. That's like, Everyone makes mistakes. mistakes. Everybody has those days. Everybody knows that. That's all I have in my head. I know. Um, I really like what we have written here of saying, you know, okay, so maybe I am feeling really guilty about something. Maybe I'm feeling very shameful about something. And what I did is actually not great, right? Instead of sitting in that guilt and shame alone, if there's a trusted person that we can go to that's maybe outside of whatever the situation is that we're dealing with and say, hey, and say, honestly, get it off our chest a little and say, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. I am feeling really guilty about it. I feel really bad about it. I'd just like to talk through it with you and see like your perspective on it. We have to be ready that that person might come back with, yeah, that was pretty bad. And like, 
you know, here's what you should do for it. We also have to be prepared that maybe what we did was really, really bad. And that person that we trust maybe isn't going to see us the same way after that. Mm -hmm. But we can also be prepared to go into that conversation and have someone say, you know, it's actually, I think you're making it out to be a lot worse than it was. And here's some steps that you can take to move forward. Yeah. I mean, I'm even, I, there's a scenario that comes to my head that I have like flashbacks to. Um, and sometimes it, it is really bad. Yeah. Um, and just think of one scenario that I did, that happened where I said something that was just like, so it was just like out of term. It wasn't my place to say something. Um, and I was, and I, and it turned out I was also wrong. So, um, not great. <laughs> um, and then I would, I, you know, somebody was kind enough to hold me accountable and be like, hey, you were wrong about that. Um, and obviously immediately, like, my guilt and shame, like, sank in. Um, and it really sucked because what I'd got wrong also was something that I held really valuable and something that I try and do really well at. So it hurt even more that I'd got it so wrong. And like you say, I was, like, really upset. I was just crying. And my boyfriend was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and like you say, it was that that trusted person to be like, hey, I did this and I got it wrong. And I'm really upset with myself. I feel really shameful about it. I'm clearly not trying to do the best that I can because I, I did this wrong. And he was like, okay, so it's really important to you. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, you'll learn from this and you'll never do it again. And I was like, that's a very good point. Like, I have learned from this. And the way I'm going to do better is by not making that mistake again, if I can. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what? And if I do slip up and do something really similar again, like, I'm, I am going to have to be like, okay, but I've been trying to do my best. I've made a slip up again. I've got to take that accountability and I've got to be able to move forward. Mm-hmm. But it's that having that trusted person to be like, Sometimes it's to be like, where we, where do you want to go from this? Instead of just sitting in it as well. It's hard. No, it's, it's really hard. And it's especially hard when it's hard when you are feeling so guilty and so shameful that you don't even feel as though you can admit something to the people closest to you. Yeah. And if that's the way that you're feeling, then it's probably because there hasn't been an element of like accountability or moving forward that's that you've thought of, right? Because you're feeling so bad about it that you can't even talk to someone else about it and someone that you really trust. Yeah. I don't know if that's true though. Well, and there's also places that we can go where we might feel like there's less judgment or it's less scary to talk to somebody about that shame that we're feeling. Yeah, like go to a counselor. That's right. Yeah, a counselor. Use a crisis line. Yeah. Um, Something like that where maybe we are feeling really high levels of shame about something and we still don't even want to say it out aloud to... We still might not even want to say it out aloud. Yeah. Um, And there are like, there are text help lines right that can be a really great place to start of like I'm feeling really guilty about this and I'm feeling shame and x y and z and sometimes it's easier to 
journal it or text it or call a phone line, call a counsellor where you know that information is not going to go anywhere. Yeah. That can be a really great place to kind of start to shed that load. Because that's the thing, right? The more we hold it in, the bigger the load gets, right? And it then becomes just really hard to, to carry. So sometimes we need to like put the bags down and just have a bit of a breather so that we then have a bit more of that headspace of like, okay, like where do I want to go from here? Yeah. I like that. <clears throat> we have a couple other things. So we've talked about self-compassion quite a bit on this podcast and also quite a bit through the episode already. So just trying to acknowledge the thoughts and feelings that we have, exploring where those come from with a compassionate outlook, um, and with a productive outlook as well, you know, considering all of the perspectives of around the mistake that we might have made or the thing that we're feeling guilty of and considering those from a realistic, self-compassionate, non-judgmental frame of mind, making a list, right, of, um, of maybe what we did and the outcome of that or how it might have affected us and other people and like a very realistic list can help us kind of move past that in a compassionate way, Um the other thing that we have here, which I really like, is clarifying your values for yourself, right? So that that helps you take more realistic action. So if I know that one of my values, one of the things that I'm trying to change is like this perfectionism value, then I know that I might be being a little bit harder on myself than necessary or feeling a little bit more guilty than necessary because I know that that's one of the values that I have and one of the things that I struggle with. So thinking about those values, what's super important to you, how you really measure yourself in this world can be helpful to clarify where not only where that guilt and shame is coming from, but also how you can move forward in the future. Right. Yeah. Because as well, those values sometimes can help guide us where we go next. Yeah. As well. Like a lot of people have the value of honesty Mm -hmm. and that's why guilt and shame feel horrible. Right. Because it's against their values when you do something wrong and you're trying to hide it. It's against that honesty value so kind of looking at those values, what's important to us and going like, okay, like honesty is my value. Okay, so maybe my next step is opening up to this person and taking accountability. That's going to be what my next step is as well. So sometimes our values can help us reassess things, but also help guide us where we go next as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing that's really important for me is just being mindful of how we speak to other people when they do get things wrong. Oh, yeah. So we've actually mentioned this right at the start of like sometimes we are surrounded by a set of friends that are openly judgmental of people's actions um, and how that can impact us as an individual. And one place that we can even just start um, even supporting ourselves is just being mindful of how we word things when people get stuff wrong. So instead of being like, I can't believe you've done that. That was so silly of you to do that. Just being like, okay, like you, you got, you made a mistake. Like, where do you want to go from here? How are you feeling about that? You know, something like that instead, right? Is way more supportive and starts kind of also peeking in other people's minds as well of like, oh, that's like, was a really supportive response. That's made me feel less guilty I still have that regret about getting it wrong but it also helps me think about where I want to go next Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I like that a lot right because then it also makes us more mindful when 
we hear others potentially speaking out that way about how we are going to approach that situation, but also more mindful about how how it may impact the people around us when our friends are being like kind of judgmental or the people around us are being judgmental, right? It's not only it's impacting me, but it could be impacting my other friends in this group and whatever it might be. So yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add, Becky? Um, a final thing just around what Brene Brown talks about, which is just kind of shame resilience. Ooh. So Brene Brown talks a lot around this. Um, and basically it's around practicing authenticity mm. when we experience shame, which sounds terrifying. It sounds hard. <laughs> yeah. But it, it involves some of the things we've already spoken about. So it involves like moving through that experience of shame while still holding our values as important to us and not sacrificing those values. So like what I mentioned before about like if honesty is our value, we don't want to sacrifice that value by being dishonest or trying to like kind of skirt our way around the situation, right? We want to hold that value true to us. And because the thing is, as well, is if we kind of follow what is important to us as a value as well, it means that we it's going to help us come out the other side of that shame because we're going to feel good about the fact that we're following these things that are important to us, right? Um, so basically, like, things like that, as well as, you know, to help us through that shame, we need that connection with other people. That helps. Shame can make us feel incredibly alone, incredibly unworthy of love, which obviously can then throw in more and more shame. So actually, we need that connection with people. We need people around us. Um, things like compassion, being kindness, as well as that vulnerability and courage as well. That courage to go, hey, I feel shameful. Or, hey, I don't feel great right now, but I want to do better. And I want to try new things to do better. So it takes that vulnerability as well. I and would say that's like the antidote to shame, yeah. right, is, is having courage. Antidote to shame and guilt is to having courage, whether it be courage through accountability, courage through putting yourselves out there more. I think courage is especially important when we're considering things around like cultural humility, mm-hmm. things around reconciliation, um, around trying to strive for equity. And yeah, I th- courage, I would say, is the most important thing. Courage yeah. to look at yourself Clearly, courage to stand up to others, courage to try new things. Yeah. I never thought about, yeah, that's good. Sorry for interrupting you. I was just like, oh, light bulb. That's, uh, I feel like that's the main bit. And then also just kind of in relation also to when we're saying reasons why we might be feeling shame or things that add to feeling shame. It's just recognizing if we do have any specific things that bring up that feeling of shame as well. Yeah. So, like, sometimes it might not necessarily be doing things wrong. Sometimes there might just be something that triggers that feeling inside of us. Um, Even just, like, diet culture is a really great example of how, for a lot of people, it triggers that feeling of shame, right? Um, Not wanting to go out or something. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, just recognizing those and then adding in that self-care, asking ourselves those self-compassion questions creating that connection with others so that we don't feel alone are all going to be really important in just kind of, I don't want to, 
regulating shame and guilt. I don't know if that's the word. No, I like that. It is regulating shame and guilt because at the end of the day, they're natural emotions. Yes. At the end of the day, we make mistakes and we do things and that we're not proud of and we have areas to learn and grow. And as long as we have areas to learn and grow, we have areas of shame and guilt. Yeah. Right. So I think that that's, that's the perfect way to put it is how do we deal with that shame and guilt in an appropriate and measured way that's going to lead to more opportunities of learning and growth and accountability versus more opportunities to feel bad for ourselves and to, you know, or to sit in that shame and guilt and yeah, not move forward, right? Well, that's the thing, right? If we're not taking the courage to be vulnerable and open up to things, like we've said before in, like, the failure podcast episodes, like, we then just kind of go through life not necessarily doing the things that we actually want to do and the way that we want to be and showing up the way that we want to I think even being vulnerable is a way that we can also counteract shame and guilt Mm -hmm. because we're sharing about the things that are important to us the things that we might have done wrong the things that we've learned from yeah um you know lots of folks feel shame and guilt around choices that they've made for a long time over the period of I feel shame and guilt about my anxiety or about, about my bipolar all the time and the way that I deal with that is through talking about it um yeah is there anything else that you'd like to add final tidbits no not really just you know shame and guilt are are really difficult emotions to reckon with because they do feel so terrible and because especially shame challenges how we view ourselves as an entire person Mm -hmm. which is a lot right like to just boil down yourself as a person that might have lived for me 23 years and everything that I'm feeling bad about my whole self that's a lot Um, so really just try to be kind to yourself, practice self-compassion, show up authentically, courage. Yeah. I don't know all of the things that we've mentioned, but, um, I guess what I would say is most important is applying this to, to other situations, right? Applying this to, to our world landscape at the moment beyond ourselves too. All right. Well, thanks. What really works listeners for tuning in today. Um, I know the topics that we talked about in the beginning of this episode can be quite triggering for a lot of folks. So um, as well as guilt and shame, right? It's a, it's, this is a a hard topic to reckon with. So if you are feeling um, activated or if you're feeling however you might be feeling at the end of this podcast, there are resources available for you. So um Yeah, check those out. We've had lots of link descriptions in our previous episodes, and I'm sure we'll put some in for this one as well. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms, and if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can follow us or subscribe to What Really Works. To find more from Discovery College, go to discoverycollegecolona.com. And thanks again to Staple Studio in supporting us to produce this podcast.